Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. It is an honor and a sweet privilege to have Danielle Laporte on the pod this week. Danielle and I have been friends for more than a decade, more years than I can remember. Many businesses, many partners, many tear fests and champagne celebrations. And as we have both navigated our journeys, it is undeniable to see how she continues to rise and she continues to see opportunity for us to be better humans. And I'm mindful with the word better because do we need to become better? And I think what Danielle has taught me is yes, yes we do. We can love more, we can forgive faster, we can be more giving and we can incorporate this way of being into every area of our life. And I appreciate that so, so much about her. Our friendship is something I cherish deeply. Her way of being constantly challenges me to question why I do what I do. And to have her on the mic, like I said, really does feel like a privilege. This is a conversation that is not much different than the ones that we share on the sofa together. And I hope it's one that really touches your heart as though we're sitting on a sofa together. Here's to friendship. Here's to business. Here's to always doing it in the most human way possible. Big love. Candles are lit. This has been a very long time coming and I couldn't be more excited to riff with you today, sweet D. Thank you. It's like 10 years, like for real, a long time coming. More than 10 years, forever. (laughs) (laughs) If only they could have recorded the first time we had hot chocolate on commercial drive and how far life has come since those days. There's a lot, a lot of sofa strategies. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Well, time is precious. Your time is precious. I'm so grateful that we get to talk today about where and what your world is up to now. Because as you said, since Sofa Strategies, there have been many books, there have been many iterations of many different business plans that Mm -hmm. have come to fruition and some obviously beautiful dreams that you've said no to. And Mm -hmm. I think we all sit in adoration about how you have chosen to navigate business your way. And your Heart-Centered Leadership Program and your new book are two things I can say in 2022 that we are all looking at you for to say, please, please give us what we need. And thank you for spending the last 20 years of your life incubating these two things, along with a few other hot nuggets that I want to riff with you on at the end. Is that cool? That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Ready to hatch. Let's go. Yeah. Let's give birth. So heart-centered leadership is an evolution of programs for you. It's what is is new. It's arguably maybe one of the hottest things that's happening right now. And I want to know how it was born. Where did it come from? The seed of it all was the question, how do you want to feel? Hmm. And I realized that that wasn't obvious for lots and lots of people because feelings were not part of the equation of external success. To me, that was heartbreaking. You know, I watered that seed and people got clear on like your core desired feelings. And why don't we invert the game around goals? So instead of all this external 
vision stuff, you get clear on how you want to feel. And then your goals are in service to that. So I was like playing in the territory of heart centeredness. And then between what that became hundreds of facilitators around the world and all of that outreach and traction and beauty, I learned that even when I was having a really bad day or a dark night of the soul, and I wasn't feeling the way I wanted to feel, I was feeling all sorts of things I didn't want to feel. I still felt close to God Mm -hmm. and I still felt like I was having a meaningful life. In fact, in my toughest times, I felt more on purpose than ever. Mm. And I wanted to just be love Mm. and I wanted to be compassion and I wanted to be forgiving. I wanted embodiment. Mm. And I realized like those things are not feelings. Those are states of consciousness. Mm. Forgiveness isn't an emotion. And then just with more research. Whoa, and- whoa, whoa. That's a mic drop. Okay. So forgiveness is a state of consciousness. Yes. We once thought forgiveness was a feeling. It's not. Neither is love. Love is a state of consciousness. Can you just dive into that a little bit for us? So how do you know that you should be angry about something or sad about something or happy about something? Mm. you know, because we've been conditioned to have certain responses and reactions because we've seen people react to similar things in these particular ways. So feeling an emotion is heavily rooted in memory. Mm. Memory is all subconscious. It's all unconscious. So it's like, I mean, the word that I, I think is most useful is like emotionality. It's like, you know, we can connect that so easily to like trigger and happy outbursts and declines and all of that. So that's unconscious, higher states of being that's consciousness. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of what's happening. I'm aware of our interconnectedness. I'm aware that I am connected to something greater Mm. and I'm always connected no matter how I feel, I am bigger than my feelings. I'm not my feelings. And that's where I want to live. I'm not down on feelings. Like I, I still believe that feelings are this GPS for the soul. Your feelings are telling you turn left, open up, shut down, commit, retreat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want my feelings to be in service to service. Hmm. Really, I don't want to be at the whim. I don't, I want to desire higher now. You have my entire nervous system just like glowing because the last podcast I recorded was with a beautiful lawyer, one of my favorite lawyers, actually. And she shared how the trouble and challenge with the law right now is that everything is off of a precedent everything is off of what has been done before. Mm -hmm. And where we are going now is into an experience of life that we've never had. We've never shut offices down and had fully remote teams that have switched. I mean, I know that the DLP enterprise has been remote and yet some companies like Google and Facebook are used to 
being in an office and they had to change something drastically. Bringing gender identity into the workforce is a new paradigm for a lot of organizations. And from a legal perspective, she says, you know, we exist to remember that a nervous system is what drives us and we are humans at work. She's an employment lawyer. And yet they exist off of precedent. And what you are sharing with us is very unstable to exist on precedent. Absolutely. What happens when we exist on precedent is the way things have been, the way we have been perhaps treated or experienced things in life. It then becomes how we think we will show up or how we should show up. And what you're saying is stop that, scratch that record, let your feelings be the GPS and let's go to true consciousness where we don't need to have a precedent to exist and to be. Yeah. I mean, what I'm really saying is that the aspiration is about embodying virtues, Mm -hmm. but to press pause on that for a second, where we're going, we have not been, we have not been. It's agitating and it's exciting. Mm. And it's like, we haven't been there because we have an unprecedented level of crisis and suffering and angst. And we have an unprecedented level of new expressions and forms of intelligence and technology. And it's like all these things. I mean, this is like from my think tank days. What are the trends that are going to converge? And what are the trends that are going to collide? And you need new paradigms. Mm -hmm. And what I'm clear on is like the old structures have to die. Mm -hmm. And I've been really thinking about this in terms of like our humanness. It's like we live these lives. We give it all we've got. And then we go back to the earth. It's like our life has been the offering. The body returns to the earth. And I think there can be some honoring and letting these old systems go. Like there's so much hostility in the let go, in the dismantling of old systems. It's like, hey, they served us. All this go get them and individuation, it was necessary. Mm -hmm. We need to like bring that with us. It's like the past has to be composted in. Hmm. Instead of these abrupt departures, it's not even about learning a new dance step. It's like life is calling us to learn how to fly whole new way of being. Yeah. Okay. I know we hit pause and went on a slight tangent because you dropped a truth bomb and and we had to take the tangent. However, I need to keep tangenting here. And Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things of our sweet friendship is when you tell me, oh, Steph, you're half right. And I love that because I always feel like half of our hearts both come together and we know that we're all heart. And I need you to know that your work that you put out in the world of core desired feelings became my compass, became my GPS. And I set my goals around my core desired feelings. So I would declare my core desired feelings. I usually had three to five of them. And then I would have goals that would ladder up so that I knew that my goals were serving how I wanted to feel. And so now you're telling your best friend in the world that you scrapped that. And I was like, wait a minute, I need to know your relationships with goals and bring us along for how we're going to fly in the new way of being heart-centered humans. Let's start with dismantling goals. This is great. So I haven't scrapped feelings and core desired feelings. I've integrated it and I'm transcending. Fine. 
compost. Okay. So compost. we still want to know how we want to feel, Okay, but we're not over identified with how we want to feel. That's no longer the goal. The goal is to be the virtues, be love, be forgiving, be compassionate, bake that into your quarterly objectives, all of that. So like, what do goals look like that are really inclusive? Personally, I'm not that into goals. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to split hairs with you just because we're doing this. We're half. We're half right. We're half right. Yeah. I'm really into vision. Okay. And I'm really into receptivity. Okay. So let me unpack that. So I think that the truest power, the new power, the new dance is receptivity. Mm-hmm. Your body is always trying to send you a message. Your soul is always trying to keep you on course. Your soul is always directed by whatever is the fabric of the universe by life source itself. If you were just still and we just pause and be receptive, that's how we go in the right direction. Stop, listen, the universal wisdom is there. The heart intelligence is there. The body knowledge is there. Stop externally referencing all the time. Just pause and really start to move into this belief knowing paradigm that receptivity is how we innovate. It's not lazy. It's not woo. It's not overly feminine. It's like, oh, that's the edge. Mm. So there's that. Sorry, I just got really excited about that. Where were we going? Okay, back to goals, vision. Uh, yeah, okay. I was like, tell me about vision. Okay, so and wait, I'm just going to let everyone know right now that I've never met a more clear manifester of very clear goals than you. So what I want everyone to know is that everything D says is true and D knows how to declare what you want. And that is so powerful and beautiful. I think you just know how to give it up and say, here's the vision, here's where I'm going and tell me more about vision. And there's lots I bake into my vision that I don't get. I'm good either way. Like I'm alive. The life takes care of me. It's Mm. lots of love in my life. I'm good either way. Vision for me is my responsibility. I'm gifted with breath, with the skill set that I have, with the talents that I have. Life has never let me down. I have friends. I live in a questionably democratic society right now, but I'm here, right? And life put me here. I'm going to meet life halfway with vision. I have free will. I'm going to use it in the highest way that I know how to use it. So I see clearly what I want. I smell it. I create vignettes. I walk in the trees and I say my prayers out loud. Then, you know, the privacy with mother earth, the goals, the, the smaller, the metrics, the reachables. I'm just not that interested. I'll tell you why I'm not interested. I know that what we put our attention on grows. So I don't put my attention on what's not working. I put my attention on what's working and where I want things to be blessed. Mm. And when it comes to the numbers, you know, maybe I just have PTSD of all the things that we bombed on. But for me, there's like just a lot of disappointment and it's like, we didn't hit it, but all Mm -hmm. these other great things happened Mm -hmm. or we did hit it. And I wished I would have set the goal higher. Mm -hmm. And really, I want to trust 
life. I want to trust life. And mm-hmm. I'm not as interested in acquisition and attainment of things, of status, of reputation. Those things are part of life and important. I want to make the most of all those things. But mostly I want to heal myself and I want to help other people heal themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult to measure. It's so beautiful. It's so honest. And I still want to know your relationship with getting shit done. Because as quickly as you may say, what's the metric? You also are the author that knows how to submit the book proposal on time, the final book draft on time. Mm -hmm. Or it might not even be about on time. It's about you know how to finish. You know how to complete things and wrap them in a bow. And you know what that final push and that final mile feels like. And I want to know about your relationship with that, Dee. I deny obstacles any power in my life. I just do not believe in obstacles. I think everything can be circumnavigated. I think what looks like an obstacle is some kind of signal or sign or backdoor. I don't believe that I'm going to pull everything off. I think the universe always has a bigger view than I do. But if the aspiration is within me, then the capacity to pull it off is there. I want it. I make the phone call. I send the email. I'm not afraid of asking. I feel really supported by life. So I have enough energy, I have enough vivacity in me that I can request trust from people. I know this is a weird idea and I know you haven't done it before, but just go with me Mm -hmm. and it might bomb and I hope you don't lose money. I just feel like this is a good direction to go in. Mm -hmm. And so I just keep communicating. I just Mm -hmm. keep communicating. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's so beautiful because it's almost the opposite to what everyone is saying right now, especially in the world of work, which is called we're distracted. People are, are working more than ever yet, not necessarily more focused than ever. This is going to be a beautiful loop back. I want to ask you about your relationship with procrastination. Mm. I think procrastination is often intuition. So in a culture that's obsessed with getting stuff done, if you don't do it because you said you were going to do it, you call yourself unproductive. If I don't do it, I think my heart didn't want to do it. And there's a reason. Mm. And often that gets life validates that like Mm. something better came along in the next 48 hours or the problem just dissolved Mm. or I got another email that tied it all together. I think though, the point about focus, I have found it very hard to focus in the last two years. I just, I finished a book and there's these companion pieces that come with it, a a deck and a journal. It's my fifth book. It was hard to finish. Mm -hmm. The content was easy. I'd been breathing it for a couple of years. And, you know, there were some days where I felt like I was trying to save people's lives and their livelihoods and to know what was going on with culture and community and immunity and global this and micro that. And I had to finish my chapter on, you know, reverence with your anxiety. And I noticed how distractible I was. 
I noticed the addictive, my addictive relationship to social media and figured out, you know, what was happening was I had my own form of burnout happening. It's like, I have never identified as someone who is susceptible to stress. And, you know, that may be ego speak. It might be just my unhealed overachiever stuff. I've really felt like I'm impervious to stress. I can work through anything and I have lots of tools and, and I really just had to admit like, this is stressful and I feel a low grade agitation and distractibility. Mm. I find that when I move into my highest calling and match it with my gifts, I'm pretty undistractable. You know, like yesterday, I just rolled out six podcasts. You know, my podcast is a one woman show. So I just sit in my living room with my microphone and I just talk about what I think is, you know, important. It's, you know, it's classic, right? It's a flow. I really don't care what's happening on Instagram when I'm doing that. Don't eat in a good way. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's human. You can find a lot of work and yours is no exception to where we come alive is easy when we are in purpose and stoked. I mean, Marcus Buckingham, I think calls it our strengths versus our talents. Then we thrive. We are unstoppable. We are undistractable. We don't want to eat because we don't want to stop. We acknowledge that nourishment is good and we are so body positive and nourish positive over here. And this comes full circle to heart-centered leadership and the opportunity. And I'm going to say within organizations, and I mean that from schools, I mean that from corporations more than ever. I mean that if you are a yoga teacher running a studio, it knows no bounds. The spectrum knows no bounds of where we need to invest in heart-centered leaders. And everything you have just said feels like little nuggets that are sprinkled into exactly this. And I want to come back to heart-centered leadership was born, you know, within the last couple of years. Is that right? Mm-hmm. In the last two years last two years. And now it's really alive in the world for organizations to dive into. And what does that mean? And why for you, Dee? To go into situations, organization containers, where the objective is always productivity in a climate where there's been more upheaval to all systems, all life support systems ever. And to come with an antidote to that striving and that stress. That's what I'm committed to doing. And the antidote to all of that is compassion. Mm. We're so on those tracks looking for innovation and radical change and the hack and the two steps. And it's like, it's actually, the answer is so mystical. It's like, it's within us and it's so tragic and it's so glorious that the antidote is, loving kindness. Hmm. How do we weave compassion and real resilience? Well, I mean, we can talk about resiliency for a minute into our Q2 goals and objectives. When you do things with compassion and resiliency and love, then everybody has a place at the table. Mm-hmm. Then we move into engaged listening. Then we actually think about 
forgiveness in the workplace used to be called second chances Mm -hmm. on behalf of profitability. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we go out of our way to at least neutralize the impulse to create divides. Mm -hmm. We become less egocentric and more heart centric. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, unfortunately, this is the evolutionary leap. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. We'll make sure there are links and people can go on to all things, of course, DLP to find heart-centered leadership, your beautiful podcast. I love it. It's like a bite size of what it's like to talk to Dee on her sofa. So know that I love that it's recorded on your sofa, no less. My heart beats for this work and for this work to come into the world because I think now more than ever, you don't need a second chance. You might need a fifth chance. And what a beautiful opportunity. And when it once was called integrity, if you didn't do something right, maybe it's called compassion that says times are tough and we're here for it. And I think that there are really beautiful things to measure and they don't always fit on a spreadsheet. And that feels like the truth bomb I want to leave that says measure. Yeah. And some things don't fit on that darn document that you want me to measure things on. You can't color code my performance because you can't color code my feelings or the impact that us showing up had. And I think that's so beautiful. So if there are more heart-centered leaders, and that's not to be confused with rigorous leadership and honest communication and tough communication, that's all part of this. And it all can live together, I think, in a really beautiful way. Well, it's all those practices and methodologies on behalf of loving kindness, on behalf Mm -hmm. of inclusiveness, you know, loving kindness is both fiery and gentle. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is non-dualistic leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody's in. Oh, yes. The circles all overlap. It's so beautiful. I can't not ask you our final question, which feels like it will be like another sweet, juicy one. We spoke about goals and we spoke about feelings. So there's room for feelings and there's room for vision. And I love it. You set goals your way. Really, you set your vision. And that's a beautiful thing. You have thoughts on bucket lists, on vision boards. And I need to know those before I ask you the last question. I got to say, you're really good at this. This is a great podcast jam. I love it. I am. Wait, just like let these moments land because we've waited to record this. It feels like my calling to sit and have these conversations. It brings me so much joy. And you, this podcast, I had to book a week out because I was like, oh my gosh, what do I say? And then I said, stop it. Just be Steph and D. And so to know that it's landing and you're with me and in the journey makes my heart so happy. No, you're engaged. Well, you're Steph. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Okay. This is how I feel about bucket lists and vision boards. I think they are a technology that you can use for good or for ill. I think they can really move your life truly forward, or they can be incredibly damaging. Mm -hmm. So I think when we create bucket lists and set goals from the ego, it's about proving it's about, you know, this 
deep-seated desire that is in our subconscious that we've never really articulated that we want to get all this stuff done in the external world just so maybe our dads will say way to go Mm. or we do all of this performance stuff this achieving stuff because our ego is saying more 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 because you're not enough 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 Mm. okay so I'm not down on vision boards and bucket lists. I'm just really alert to what's inspiring them. Mm. Vision boards and bucket lists that are heart-centered are going to be inclusive. They're going to include all parts of your life. They're going to include other people's definitions of happiness. So what if our vision boards had images of a lush green neighborhood So it's not just stuff that we're going to achieve for ourselves. What if your vision board had an image of you reconciling with someone who you like had this fracture with? So there's that literal stuff, but really, really like the driving intention is if we could all think about how our fulfillment, how actualizing our dreams is going to be of benefit to all sentient life how my happiness contributes to the happiness of others. That's heart-centered manifesting. That's a bucket list I want to have overflowing. Mm -hmm. And my experience is that's the uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. To give is to receive. Mm -hmm. It's universal law. Everything we're craving that's inside of everything on, on the goal list that feeling we want, that state of consciousness we want to be in, I can tell you, it comes from giving. Mm. Everything you want is on the other side of service. All of it. Everything you want is on the other side of service. And I couldn't agree more. I set goals to say that if this goal is not in service of something beyond me, the goal doesn't hit the sheet. And I undeniably am obsessed with the essence of goals and recognize they can come in so many different packages. And it is what allows us, you and I, to be half right all the time and to love each other all the time. You've been around for so many iterations and versions of my goals, and you've impacted so many iterations and versions of my goals and still do because you're the one that says, I'm going to create a garden on my rooftop so that I can feed this entire neighborhood in the West end of Vancouver. And instead for the holidays, you give me two glass jars and say, please grow some sprouts. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, in February, I was committed to launching, learning and loving something. And my learning was, I was like, I'm going to learn how to be in the production of sprouts, not just like sprouts on a Monday, but what is required so that with my jars and my seeds, I can sprout all month long. Mm-hmm. And then what do I do with those sprouts? Of course, you learn how to make salads and you can have a dinner party and you can make things for other people. And, and it all starts because you gave me my little packet of seeds and said, go sprout. And I just think to give is to receive. And it's so beautiful. And I still love goals as much as I love you. And our last question is from the highest state of consciousness from the depth of your sweetheart, will you tell us 
one goal, one manifestation, one nugget that is part of your vision for the year 2022. Perfect health, vitality, so that I can get more work out into the world. I don't want to see any obstructions Mm. to total vitality. I would never have said that 10 years Mm. ago, by the way. Beautiful. I would have given you something like much more lofty. And it's like, no, I just want to be in a highly functional, healthy body. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty healthy, but yeah. I want to go next level without any punishing anything. Mm-hmm. And then just podcast my ass off. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we might need to keep these rolling. And, you know, when you say perfect health, I just think, for people that want step one to perfect health is open your fridge, open your kitchen cupboards and look what's there. Look where and how you're growing your food. And when I think of you, I'm always so inspired that my kitchen may be a fraction of what your kitchen is. And that what is the things that I bring into my kitchen are as highly vibrational as your kitchen. And I know that that's where it all begins. So Mm. D I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm so grateful that you continue to create in the world and be of service exactly as you do. And I have a feeling this might be the beginning of a few more podcasts and I'm really okay with that. Let's do it. Let's go for a hat trick. I love you. And I like you. And Ah! I really respect you. There's so many things like even like on team D where I'm just like, well, Steph says, (laughs) yeah, you become like a meme. Yeah. Oh oh gosh. Well, as long as we're giggling all is well. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, D. Thank you.